too happy. I'll let you just uh, fill in the blanks. Sometimes they can make people think, you know, they express what they feel. And, and, and sometimes there's a time where Jesus came, while, while a lot of little people are around Jesus, messing with him, trying to climb on him while he's teaching, and, and everybody's freaking out. They say, Jesus, you know, you know, want to get these kids around and, and, and get them out of there, you know? And Jesus says, relax. He says, the kingdom of God is for such as this. You know, so I, I want to just thank all the people in the service that help uh, with teaching the kids in the back rooms. Um, uh, you know, we don't do like uh, babysitting there. We're teaching them the word of God. I was so proud. Yep. <clears throat> Also proud of the young little guy, Isaiah, you know, he says, I want to say something, Pastor, you know, you know, I want a closer relationship with God. I just thank God for, for kids like that. That's awesome. So anyway, I'm going to dive into the Word of God this morning. We're going to read out of Ephesians chapter 1. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verse 15, um, uh, all clear down to 23. Um, uh, the message this morning, uh, I'm going to title it, The Un Unstoppable Force. It's an unstoppable force. Right in this room right now, there is a force that when it's engaged and released, it is unstoppable. Yes. Right here in this room, there is a force that when tapped into can change the cause of history, can change a family tree, can bring catapult people from poverty into abundance, from sickness into health, from bondage into freedom. There is a force in this room today that can change everything. Amen. That force is the force of the Holy Spirit, this force of power that Jesus said when he left about his church, he says, Be upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not even be able to penetrate it. Amen. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus left his 12 disciples. At first, they were a little scared when he told them that he's going gonna, to gonna leave them. And he told them that, um, uh, that, that they're going to be able to change the world. If they would just believe him and follow him, thank you so much. If they would believe him and follow him and keep on the teachings that he had told them. And changing the world, those 12 guys and more that were around them changed the world because they believed in the one who sent them and had called them. The same Jesus Christ is the one that is Lord over this church. That is Lord over his church. And, 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 and the way we engage, I want to read a, a passage here. Because the church, to me, is sometimes a sleeping giant. And the way the church awakens, the church awakens in prayer. The church awakens in a spirit of prayer. Because when we pray as God's people, something happens. If you're new here, you might have noticed that we pray a lot. Uh, we, pray, we pray when we start. We pray just when we say, oh, let's just pray right now. We pray all the time. Well, Jesus did say that my house will be called a house of prayer. If you're going to find some place to pray, if you didn't play anywhere this week, you're going to pray here. I have been, sadly, through a service where there was hardly any prayer. And so it was put together, but was hardly any prayer. And it shows to me that there is something, there's, an there's a lack of connection in realizing that there's power that we can tap into spiritually that can change things on the natural sense. Because prayer changes everything. 
Now, Paul, in Ephesians 1, where I told you to turn into, in fact, let me read it, and then I could add some thoughts after that. Now, verse 15, he says, this is Paul, the apostle, writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. I ask God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you will grow in your knowledge of him. I think the new, uh, the new King James says that uh, I pray that the Lord will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge so you can get to know him more. Verse 18, he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. If you're a born-again believer, or you're about to become one, you're called by God. Now look at someone next to you and just tell me, you're called. Now that you're convinced that you're called, let me reread that again. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with the light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. It's talking about you. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. That's the unstoppable force that I'm talking about. This is the same mighty power, listen to this, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor of God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Now think for a minute of the most powerful people on earth. Think about the most powerful weapons on earth. Think about the most powerful capabilities that you could imagine in your mind. He says, now he is far above any ruler, any authority, any leader, anything else in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under his authority, under the authority of Christ, and has made him head over all things, for the benefit of their church. I say there is a powerful force in here. But God placed all that authority on Christ for a reason. He says to benefit you and me. To benefit you and me. To benefit the body of Christ. And the church... It's his body. It is all full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I'm ready to go home. (laughs) Sometimes the word speaks for itself. That's always I'm, I'm a strong advocate of believers reading their Bible. Believers getting into their word. Believer opening up that book 
and reading it for themselves because if the Spirit of Christ dwells inside of you, he says that he will be our teacher. How many know that when you open the Bible, not just because you have to, but because you're desiring to know more of him and you ask the Lord to teach you and to instruct you and to show you what it is that he wants to, to, to show you in your life today, that he is faithful to reveal things that you never saw. You can read the same verse over and over again. And the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing out the Word of God uh, spot on when you need it. Because He is an on-time God. He is an on-time God. He'll give you a rhema word, a word that is due season. You can read one scripture you've known all your life. And you're going through something and, and you're praying and you're seeking God. And the Lord just causes that light to come through and He gives you strength to move forward. I remember years ago, my wife and I had uh, taken a change in life. I had uh, I stepped down from a job I was doing, and, got a, and I was going into starting my own business. And how many know that sometimes uh, starting an, your own business, you have a couple kids at home, it can be a little scary. Because sometimes when you're working, you might do great and be rewarded for it, and you might just punch in the clock, and nobody notices because you're doing what's required. But when you're on your own... You're the marketing guy, you're the, uh, the, the call center, you are the, uh, you're the, the chief executive, you're the account of the book, you're all. If you don't get it done, nobody eats. And it can be scary sometimes. And I remember though, during this, a, a little bit during that period, we hit some rough spots for a season there uh, that we were working hard, but things were not panning out. Uh, but uh, but what, I, what would encourage me, a lot of the times I'd go back to the word that the Lord gave me yes. when I stood. And so when I cannot see beyond, like, well, what is going to happen tomorrow? Is this going to close? Is this going to happen? It's like, no, no, no. I know that the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. I know that God is my provider. He's the one that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's a faithful God, and he will see you through your situations. I've been getting a stirring lately. A lot more, and, and, and this has always been a close issue in my heart, and, and, and it's the area of prayer and the church engaging in prayer. And taking that call seriously that God, Christ, when said, Christ said that his church shall be called a house of prayer, it's also going to be called a house of prayer. I do believe that when the church engages in a more meaningful, more intentional, more intense time of prayer, that things happen um, and that, that so, the cause of society can change. That's a, has been a great conviction in my life, and God has started me up to pray. But I feel like there's something the Holy Spirit is stirring even more in a more intense way, because we live in some really interesting times. That's just being watering it down a little bit. How many know that it's crazy out there sometimes? You turn around, you think, how in the world have we gotten ourselves into the place that we are in? And sometimes situations might feel hopeless. They might look so bad. I'm thinking, wow, I never imagined in my lifetime I would see what I'm seeing now. But I'm here to deliver some good news to you. There's an unstoppable force. There's an unstoppable force. It's when God's people engage in prayer. When God's people 
engage in more intense times of prayer, being deliberate in calling out on the name of the Lord. An Old Testament scripture says that if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked, will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God says that I will hear from heaven, I will forgive them of their sins, and then I will heal their land. There's a lot of healing that needs to go around, but God doesn't look out for political solution. He's not looking out for business solution. He's not looking for, for the professors to figure out what the cause of life is. No, he's just saying, I want my people to come on their knees. I want my people to call my name. I want my people to be humble, to cry out to the Lord. I want my people to repent of their sins. I want my people to seek my face. See, and when we do, how many know we get a lot more? Andy, come, let me pick on you. Andy's a good man. <laughs> good man, Andy, thank you. So, sometimes, uh, we, we, this is where we miss on prayer sometimes. Prayer, God has made it a, a, a mode of communication. And the, communic the intention for creating that mode of communication is so that it can enhance relationship. Okay? Now, Andy is a wealthy man. I'm just prophesying. Amen. The best agent in all of the world, you know? So, yeah. And he's got a lot of money in his hands. Just, oh. uh, just, I'm not pretending I'm prophesying, brother. <laughs> Business will come to you. You won't even be calling people. They will be walking into your office. Amen. Insure my plane. Insure my... See, I'm prophesying here. And so if I have the knowledge that this guy has a lot of resources that could be benefit me, we look at God sometimes like that, and we're looking at the resources. The resources. We're looking at what he has. And you know what ends up happening is that when we talk to God, we end up praying what I call reactionary prayer. Oh my goodness, I'm out of money. Oh my goodness, I'm sick. And we could be tapping into the resources without engaging the person. And when God is saying is that he's calling his church to seek his face. He's seeking relationship with us. Now if I engage with this brother and I'm just engaged relationally, if he has goods that he thinks that I need, how many know that I don't even need to ask if there is relationship? Amen. Because he already knows what I need before I say a word. Right. And if I could get him, you give me a hug, man. Yes, man. Guess what? His hands is full of blessings. Oh, keep it there. <laughs> there are a lot of blessings right there. So I got his face, but I didn't miss out on the blessings of his hands. Man, I need us. Were you a wrestler? No. Oh, okay. I used to wrestle, and I felt like a wrestling grip right there. <laughs> man, you are natural, man. You miss God. You should have wrestled. See, when we engage God relationally, when we engage his face, we do not miss out on the goodies that he already has for us. Amen. And as the people of God, if we start, quit worrying about your life. Jesus said that, Matthew chapter 6. Quit worrying about your life. Quit worrying about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you would wear, what you would put on. Quit worrying about that. I want you to seek my face. For Heavenly Father, he says, already knows the things that you need. 
But if you seek first my kingdom, if you seek me first, it says all these things that you need will be added to you. I tell you people of God, our God is a faithful God. You can count on him. You might have friends that disappointed you at one point. Maybe even someone real close to you. But God is not like man. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a son of man that he should repent. When he has spoken a promise, he is a God who keeps his word. We can have peace with God. We can walk peacefully. Even when we don't see the light, we can rest in peace in knowing that our God is a good God and he means to do us good. Paul had already figured this out. And I'm always so impressed with the life of Paul. And I even don't know if he understood the kind of impact that he would have. I mean, about 2,000 years ago, after Christ, Paul was a great encourager and a teacher of the church. He, he settled disputes in the church. He came down straight uh, when, when there was bad teaching and uh, wrong doctrine. He would straighten things out and get people lined up to serve God in a pure and in a, in a balanced way. He would encourage people to do ministry. He did all sorts of things to, to help build and encourage the body of Christ in his time. I don't know if he understood that even 2,000 years later, he'll still be encouraging and building up the church. He had his own needs. And I'm so impressed by the passage of scripture that, he, that we just read. And I realized that Paul was an intercessor. Paul was engaged in intercessory prayer. Paul understood the power that, that, that we have, that unstoppable force that we have, that we can engage on our knees on behalf of others, on behalf of the church, on behalf of the ministry overall, on behalf of the nation that God would move. And I just want to give you four takeaways before we go home that, that just kind of impressed me on here. He starts the letter by saying, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Now that's a strong statement. You know, you can read it fast, quickly. But I believe you don't say something like that unless you actually did it. This is why I've learned, because I used to be a really sharp guy that remembers everything, like my two-year-old, if you make a promise, they will never forget. <laughs> but sometimes you encounter somebody, you hear something, you near have a need, uh, and then uh, you think, oh, I'm going to pray for them, you keep it in your mental, and uh, ten, ten, ten years later, you say, oh, geez, I never prayed for Bruce. <laughs> I'm exaggerating here a little bit, if you haven't caught on. But how many know sometimes we th- see things around us? And uh, we say, oh, yeah, oh, you write that person on Instagram, on Facebook, hey, uh, I'll be thinking of you and praying for you in your hard time. And then you don't. So I've learned, when I see that and I think it, I stop right there. Even if it's not a long prayer, I will pray right now. Lord, I pray for Adam and the change is going in his job, God. Give him favor. What he's doing, God, let your hand shine upon him. Let it be stand out over all his competitors. Just bless his life tremendously in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. There's an unstoppable force that can do something. Now, one, your faith that you prayed. Two, you don't know what God is doing at that moment when you open up your mouth and you engage the unstoppable force. 
until you won't forget to pray. Now, Anna may come up uh, in my, again in my mind again, then I know to pray more. And then there are people that we, we need to, to stand in partnership with. He says, uh, speak to one another, the Bible says. He says, pray for one another, the Bible says. So sometimes there are people that are going through a season. You know, there are sometimes you get, uh, you get things that are just moments that need a God intervention. And sometimes there's a season that needs God's sustaining grace of a, a season. And those types of people need our support. They need our continual prayers. They need our continual uh, engagement in heaven, in unity with them for the season that they are in. And that's what I picked up on this. That's one thing I picked up on this, is that Paul had a plan. He continued to play, but he had a plan. He methodically was thinking and naming people and making mention of them in his, in his prayers. He, he, he had a prayer plan. He had a prayer list. He, had a, he was doing more than just saying something. If you don't have already, I want to challenge you today. Start making a prayer list for people other than yourself. Yeah. I should keep around five, the ones that are continually in my mind. And I could cross off sometimes and just add another one. When I don't, I find that I'm not nearly as diligent or nearly as effective in my desire to pray for them. Taught people how to budget for a long time, how to manage their personal finances for a long time in my life. And one of the things that I know that is so common when it comes to personal finance is that, <clears throat> and let me pick on a, on a budget. The people that write down their budgets, and I mean, right now it doesn't have to be on, you know, I know some, these days you don't have to write anything, um, it could be on the computer or anything, tend to have just better success. And it's the same thing I see over and over again. A lot of people budget only because they're short on cash. Or things are a little tighter, so I got a budget. But the people that do better are the ones who budget, irrespective of whether it's good or bad. They're just consistent. And so when it's good, they just have extra because they control. They get to dictate. They get to tell their money what to do instead of the waves of their money when they're good and bad begin to ride them. You know, when you have a lot, you just spend like crazy. When you have none, you cry because of how broke you are. <laughs> but they tend to have better success when they pre-plan their expenses and just predetermine. Says, oh, here's what I'm going to leave on, irrespective of how much I make. I've just chosen, well, if I need to make adjustments, my money, I could. I think the same principle applies even when we pray. If we're going to be a people that respond to the call of God to be intercession people, to be people that pray all the time, make a list. Just have five people. When you go to the Lord all the time, part of your prayer is praying for those five guys. They may not even know that you pray for them doesn't matter. And then maybe they do. Can you imagine if a friend of you showed up and told you, man, you know, I've been praying for you every day. I know what's going on. And when you do, you would be surprised to find that God sometimes will give you specific words for them that would be an encouragement to them. God will speak in. He will intercede. So make a list if you don't. I believe Paul did, and that's why he could say what he said, that I pray for you constantly. 
I have never stopped thanking God for you ever since I heard about your love for Christ. Secondly, another thought that I picked up on there is that he had a definitive action. He, his prayer was very active. There's a Greek word that's used in that passage there. Uh, I, don't, I can't pronounce it right, but the way I would read it is P-O-I-E-O. Okay? You say it. I've, I've been known to say things that sound really funny, and so I'm not going to say it. Some of you are like, what? It's your whole sermon, you know? But the Greek, the word itself speaks of describing something, like a creating something that did not exist. Okay? And this is the unstoppable force I want to talk about. Our prayers, when we begin, and I'm, uh, can't create, in partnership with God, can't create things that never existed. See, our natural tendency when we are looking for a solution, let's say we run into a hard place, is always a practical way of how can I get myself out of this hole? Or how can I propel myself forward? Now, there's a time for action, but, but God is a creator God. He makes ways where there are no ways. He causes water to come out of the rock. He parts the Red Seas when there was no way. Without a boat, he gets his people to cross over. He is not limited by what we see. Okay, another scripture says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, all that we could think according to, uh, and all that we could imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, be glory to him in the church forever and ever. He is able to do far beyond what you could possibly imagine in your life. You've dreamt about some things. You've wondered about some things. God, I wonder if I could ever do this. I wonder if I could ever achieve this. He says, he is able to exceed even your wildest imagination. He's a creator God. Second thing that I noticed in this is that he had a conviction. He had a conviction that continued prayers make a difference. He had a conviction that it wasn't just mumbling and doing or, or just um, a religious ritual that religious people do. He believed that when he prayed, something happened. I remember when I was a young man. Well, I, <laughs> let me take that back. When I was younger than I am now, I'm still a young man. One of the things that really propelled me into prayer, I was reading Revelation. And I'm reading Revelation, and, I, and, and it's talking about the presence of God. And I, I'm just imagining this thing in heaven going on. And it's, there's one, one, um, one scripture that John says that, that he saw this kind of smoke thing coming out on the, in, in the throne of God. Continually, just flowing on around the, the presence of God. And he says that when he understood what it was, he says it was the prayers of all saints. And that spoke volumes to me. I, I just never, when you pray, how many times you prayed 
and even forgot what you prayed about. It says, continually in the Lord's presence are, are the prayers of his saints. That every time we gather, we've called on the name of the Lord here this morning. We stood with those guys that were getting baptized and called on the name of the Lord with them. We, Pastor Chris, here, on, on the, we call on the name of the Lord. And it says, every time we call on the name of the Lord, that engagement is eternal in nature. It's never ending. It's continually before the presence of I mean, that stirred me up to pray like I've never prayed before. Because I realize there's something way bigger than me. There's something way bigger than my, initial, my, my current situation. Maybe I'm praying for a specific thing. But, but, just, but just being in his presence is so much bigger than even my present needs. That's why Paul is saying here to us, he says, no, 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 that God has placed all authority under Christ. He has placed all authority under Christ uh, that are for things that, are in, that there's no power in the world, all the world to come. Because second, guys, we're dealing with supernatural things that have eternal power. I'm talking about an unstoppable force that's in this house today. I don't know what your need is. I don't know what is concerning your heart right now. I do know that God is faithful. Is it an issue in your job that you're, that's frustrating you and uh, you're, you're wanting just to see a change? I say God is faithful. Is it an issue in your marriage? Maybe you're concerned about your children. Maybe you're concerned about your finances. God is faithful. God is calling us to engage in these days in greater times of intensity in prayer. Because I believe there's a revival that's about to burst forth. And God's people are need to get back in engaging in prayer. Every revival I've ever read about, there was a sense of prayer. There's a sense of urgency in prayers for God's people that ushered in all the different moves of God that we experienced in the past. When I came to, first came to Christ, I'm going to end here. I first came to Christ, there was a strong emphasis in the church about intercession. And it wasn't even a, like a separate thing. There was a sense, um, I, I just walked into it. It's like it was just interwoven as part and a foundational and just as a just vital part of Christian life. And, and, and these days, and I know, I've talked to many pastors across the nation, and they say that they're praying in a seating congregations are fewer and fewer these days. Believers that are actively engaged in intercession prayer is declining. And I don't want to be a downer here. I just want to star us up a little bit to engage in that un un unstoppable force. And <clears throat> it's a giant that's been taking a nap that God's calling to wake up. We don't need some superstar to change America. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. And as a church, we, we were determined to keep, be a church that prays. I know the next three nights we're going to be here praying and fasting. Our city is ripe for a flow of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. 
The state of Nebraska's experienced a horrible flood in the natural sense. And I've been praying all along with this. Hey, God, we pray for the people, in fact, we, uh, that, are, that are dealing with the physical damages of the floods. And we're working with a nonprofit and a, a, a Christian organization. We'll send some emails out of, of how we can even involve as a church and be able to help our people that need help. But whenever I see a physical thing that goes on, uh, I was thinking, God, what, what is it that you want to do in the, nat- in, in the spiritual? See, God always communicates to us with the natural things for, to awaken our, our, our spiritual understanding so we can see what he wants to do in the natural, in, in, the, in the spiritual. The floods, I said, you know, revival is always equated to floods and rains. Have you ever wondered how, why there's so many river songs in Christianity? The water songs and the ocean songs and the... Uh, because it's symbolic to a move of the Holy Ghost, a move of the Holy Spirit. See, God, as we are praying for the physical needs to be met in our state and people that have been experiencing a lot of uh, loss, God, would you turn it around on the spiritual end so we can begin to experience the floods of the Holy Spirit sweeping across Nebraska, a revival that goes along every corner of the state, every small town that have never experienced a move of God, that people can see that God is the one who was, the one is, the one that is to come, that he is alive. I got saved during a revival, and I just remember how Things that take people years to break. Addictions that take people years to break. People that never ever recover from things. They are, one touch from the Holy Spirit changes everything. One touch of the Holy Ghost makes a, changes the cause of their lives. I was one of them. My, my life would have been played out very, very differently had I not met the Lord the time I did as a teenager in Nairobi. And I saw the Lord do amazing things, not just in my own life, but doing it in my own family, with my parents, my siblings, because when the Spirit of God moves, God can do more in one moment than we could ever hope to accomplish in a lifetime. Let's engage. I, I want to encourage us. Let's engage this unstoppable force. Sleeping giants, I'm calling the church to arise. And let's begin to call on the name of the Lord. Let's begin to call on the name of the Lord for, for our families like never before. For our future like never before. For our kids like never before. Like this said, and just believe for revival and let's see Jesus move and turn things around in America. Amen. Would you stand with me? How many are challenged? How many are encouraged to engage like never before? Amen.